Hello there, and welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. A uh, bit of an old-fashioned episode today. A bit of a mini-ep, if you will. I don't think it'll go particularly long. Uh, just me. Just me today. Uh, no guests lined up for this week's episode. However, however, we do have some exciting plans. At least one. Uh, hopefully a few more as well. Uh, before season gets underway and in the first few weeks of the season where I'll be able to bounce some ideas off people and um, hopefully some people you'll be very, very interested to to hear from. The one I've got lined up, you certainly will be. Um, so I'm very, very excited for that. I understand that the idea of listening to kind of one person ramble about cast for X amount of minutes, however this is long, uh, however long this is going to be, probably probably isn't everyone's cup of tea. Uh, probably wouldn't be mine, if, if I'm being honest. Uh, so by all means, pause and, you know, move on uh this ain't for you i completely get that but at the same time this is kind of how it started the podcast way back when the very first episode was me for an hour people seem to enjoy it it's still one of our most listened to episodes so i figured it doesn't harm anyone to kind of stick one out there and if people enjoy it people enjoy it if they don't they don't and i'm more than happy with that um i've got some questions got some questions that have been sent in from social media from twitter in particular from a bunch of cast fans a bunch of loyal listeners so we'll get into those First, first, I just want to discuss about a couple of issues. Well, one issue, really. I was going to go into Super League Plus and the streaming and all that kind of stuff that's been announced this week, but it kind of feels like we've done that to death. And, you know, I put out a few posts on social about kind of how it works. And, you know, I don't love how it was kind of put across the fact that, you know, it was never really said anywhere that if you've got Sky, you don't need it. That should have been should have been said, really. I get from a marketing point of view why they probably didn't want to do that. They probably wanted to, uh, you know, pull a few people up on that one where they're paying double. But yeah, ultimately we've kind of done that to death. And if you want to get my thoughts on Super League Plus and everything like that, uh, head to Twitter and Facebook, Kivecast. You'll be able to see my full thoughts on that. And I've got a bit of an explainer in terms of where where you fit in uh, if you want to watch your rugby league this year and what you should be doing. Um, the other news on similar kind of vein in terms of streaming, in terms of broadcast, in terms of fixtures generally, is this Cast Wigan game, which it's been announced in the last kind of two or three hours that the the three o'clock kickoff, should I say, that kicks off the season on Saturday the seventeenth, is now a half five kickoff. Um, I have some problems with this uh, from a communications point of view. I don't personally have a massive issue with the fixture change. Um, the fact it's half five, if anything, it kind of works better for me personally. I'm sure for many, many people it will. Uh, I'd imagine for probably 70, 80% of the people going that game probably won't be a huge issue. It's not changing day. It's still Saturday. You'd have been in the ground at five o'clock anyway. Um it's two and a half hours later. It will cause some issues for some people. I think the majority will be okay. But yeah, for 20%, you know, you've got to consider not everyone's from Cass. Not every Tigers fan can walk to the ground or anything like that. You know, there's a bunch of people, particularly based down south, based further north, have to think about trains, have already booked trains because of how extortionate those prices are, already created kind of their plans for the day and how they could possibly get to the ground on time and all that kind of stuff. So it is frustrating for those guys. Uh, I completely agree. And also Wigan fans, you know, I think obviously from an away perspective, it's much tougher. Uh, fixtures getting moved. But for the majority of people, it isn't a major issue. My real issue with this is comms. And we're going to talk about social media in a little bit uh, in its entirety, really. I'm not particularly focused on 
on Cass for this one or Wigan for that matter because I think I can put them in the same in the same bracket. They both announced this at the same time. I'm actually going to commend Cass Wigan uh, for this and how they've kind of approached it. My problems with Super League <laughs> with this one, and I hope everyone kind of understand what I'm saying here. Super League have put Cass and Wigan as clubs in impossible situations for for no reason whatsoever this afternoon because I've checked the social media channels, I've checked the forums. Naturally, there's anger. You know, there's fans who are upset that the the fixture's been changed, that there's a two and a half hour difference, that they're going to have to change plans, all that kind of stuff, and the fact it's been announced only three weeks before for the game for the start of the season it is relatively short notice. But Castle and Wigan were given no other alternative, uh, as far as I can, as far as I'm told, as far as I'm concerned. Even the problem is, twenty percent of us, I want to say maybe less. I don't know how many cast fans, as in the cast fans who would be in the ground on the day. I'm hoping, obviously, for ten thousand with the three, uh, the three for thirty quid and all that kind of stuff. For you know, fifteen, twenty percent, maybe more. I don't know. Maybe I'm doing this as a disservice. We're very, very switched on. We're very, very in tune with what's going on. Naturally, I am because of the podcast. I try and you know keep up with what, what, what all the journalists are saying and all that kind of thing. I would imagine most of you who listen to this, and certainly the people who've made it this far into the podcast and have not turned down <laughs> the opportunity to listen to me for God knows how long, I, I, I'm sure the majority of you are also pretty in tune to why this um, this change has happened. It was reported two weeks ago that the BBC had taken 12 games. It was also reported at the same time. I think it was in I think it was in the mail that they're going to be carrying games at half five on a Saturday. That was in the press. That's no secret to anyone, but it wasn't the press. The press have spoke about it. As of now, there has been no official announcement from Super League or the BBC that that is happening. We're sure it is because there's no way that article would have gone through the Daily Mail with the certainty it was written with if it wasn't going to happen. But officially on the books. That contract is not signed, it's not done, no one can talk about it. So there's you know a minority of us as cast fans who can look at today's announcement and go, okay, it's on the BBC. I get it. There's not a great deal the club can do about it. They've been picked for BBC. It makes sense because it's Wigan, it's round one, they want to make a big deal. It makes sense to have champions, right? But why is it not announced? <laughs> why are Super League and BBC why have well I'm not going to say why because I think the reason why it's not been announced is because it's probably not done yet but again how can it not be done all the details are in the press we know what's going to happen near enough and that was two weeks ago but it would seem that the BBC or, or Super League are not in a position to put that out there in public domain and because of that the clubs can't say what's happening which is is really tough because as I said, there's a bunch of us that kind of can put the, you know, two plus two equals four. We can work it out. But this is the game. And this game in particular, let's be fair, this is the, you know, the, the three the three for 30 pound game. This is the game where we're trying to get as many casual cast fans or even non-cast fans through the gate as humanly possible. I'm using mine. My dad's using his. You know, that's six cast fans who wouldn't necessarily be going to the game that are going uh, off the back of two members. If there was ever a game where you're getting people who wouldn't necessarily be in tune to the broadcast dealings of the NFL and Super League, it's this one. And all they're seeing, if they, they might be on the fence about going to the game, they might have already got their ticket. Either way, all they're seeing is an announcement from, from Cass or Wigan saying that the game's not three o'clock anymore, it's half past five. Sorry about that. 
no further details. Of course there's anger. Of course there's anger from those people who don't know what's going on. Of course there is. But that's that, that's where the joined up thinking it just falls apart, doesn't it? In terms of the league. Because I can't really blame Cass or Wigan for doing what they've done. Because they had two options, right? They will have been told probably in the last 24 hours or whatever it was that, right, your three o'clock game, that's no longer three o'clock. That's going to be half past five. They had two options at that point. They can either wait for however long it might be, and it might be tonight. It might have already happened by the time I put the podcast out. If so, okay, fair enough. But it could be next week. It could be two weeks' time. It could be that the BBC and Super League are waiting for the, the week of that Saturday. It could be that Monday, so they can make a big splash about Super League being back on the BBC and all that kind of stuff. So the clubs could wait until that point so they can put a press release out at that point and go, we're changing to half past five, but you know it's the first big BBC game, da, 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 all, all the bells and whistles, and explain exactly why that decision has been made by Super League. But the problem with that is, like I say, that might be the week off, and that's ridiculously short notice. It's not a huge, huge change, but as we've already discussed, it's it's big enough. You know, there are people going from further afield who, you know, are going to lose train tickets because of this, for example, and have to massively change plans. That's three weeks out, never mind a week out. So that was one option. <laughs> the other option is they put something out straight away with very little limited information because they can't put that information out there because it's not officially done. Knowing full well they're going to get absolute pelted for it. <laughs> you know, and, it's, and that's what Castle Wigan decided to do, which is the right call, by the way. I think Castle and Wigan have both done the right thing in terms of at least saying that the fixture is going to move as soon as possible to give people the most notice they have, which is obviously like three weeks. And they've just had to kind of take it on the chin. They've decided to just take the heat on the chin. Uh, about why, about not being able to explain why that is. It's just, why are Super League allowing this to happen? Just get it sorted, get it announced. This should have been announced at the back end of last year. It's ridiculous these things take so long. And then, again, the lack of joined up thinking, that allowing their clubs, especially you know us in this situation where we're really trying to make a big thing of this first game, uh, we're trying to get 10,000 in and just allowing a club to just take the hit on that is just it's just bizarre to me it's bizarre we're trying to grow the game and Super League just doesn't seem joined up with the club sometimes at all and I just feel like this should be a, this should be a priority this should be a rush from the league to get that information out so Castle Wigan can at least explain to their fans why it is uh, rather than having to you know be the villain to their own fans when really Castle Wigan haven't done anything wrong here they've been told that this is the game and that's that that's that there's not a great deal they could do um, so that's my rant on that but um, yeah that, that's annoyed me today uh, that's annoyed me today to be honest the game it changing itself doesn't affect me on a personal level whatsoever but again from, coming from a bit of a comms background just a bit strange just a bit strange and just shows that sometimes Super League and you know the powers that be just seem a little bit out of the depth when it comes to these things situations and these things should be nipped in the bud and you know clubs shouldn't have to be putting out statements and press releases with no info so the fans are just in the dark why things have happened. And, you know, they're basically relying on fans like us who listen to the podcast who, you know, are probably quite nerdy into it and kind of really in tune to stuff. You know, relying on us to kind of explain it. Um, they should be explaining it themselves. But they can't due to due to a comms breakdown. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the first issue of the day. I'll take a breath. I'll take a breath, shall I? So this brings me to our questions. Thank you very much everyone on Twitter who uh, who took the time uh, to put in a question in the last few days. 
Um, these came in in the last 48 hours, I think. So I think a couple of them have some interesting caveats because things have happened since, but we'll get onto that. They're basically three groups. And the first one, I'm kind of going to cop out a little bit, but for the right reason. And the main reason is I don't want to make a hash of it, really, especially, you know, I'm aware that I've got this platform, whatever it might be. You know, I'm not the voice of the fans. I'm not a go-between. As much as I get people from the club on, I'm not the go-between between the club. I've not spoke to the club on this. Um... I'm not, I'm not, I guess the club would the right, be the right people to speak to, but I'd like to hear just anyone's expertise on this on the podcast, and that's probably what I'm going to do. To be honest, before kind of giving a real, uh, you know, lengthy answer to this because I really just don't have enough. Um, first for first and foremost, there's three questions, but they're all in the same in the same bracket. Uh, Mark F kicks us off with, "When will the club take our women's team seriously? Show us some forward thinking, and how do us fans convince the BOD?" that they are as much a part of the club and worthy of time, investment, support as any other team, not just a fad. Carl Gibbs followed that up with, what do you feel about the women's team withdrawal from the Challenge Cup? It appears that there's nowhere near the investment in the ladies' team compared to other clubs. Do you think the club should look at the situation or continue to prioritise the men's teams? Uh, and Matt, who I know is very in tune uh, with this stuff, with the women's team, um, with today's latest embarrassing news, what year did the club mean when they said exciting times ahead? And I think that really uh, alludes to a press release, which went out, I think, in 2021, uh, about exciting times, about the club generally, and the whole one club thing, all that makes perfect sense. Um, this, for anyone unaware, the news this week is that the Challenge Cup draw, Challenge Cup draw was done two weeks ago, I think, in the women, uh, the women's section. And a couple of days ago, without any real statement or release or anything like that, it was just kind of reported that Castle pulled out and Castle will not be competing in the Challenge Cup this season. Now, as Matt, who delivered the final question, uh, correctly kind of said on, on Twitter in the last few days, ultimately that is the right decision. Looking at the group they had, and you know, look, the cast women's team is in a situation where if if the cast women's team in its current state plays one of the top teams, there's a welfare issue. And that's that's a genuine thing. Um, it's not a matter of, oh, they might get beat 100 nil. They might. That's, that's a possibility. But more to the point, like the, the girls might get hurt, like, genuinely, because there's just such a disparity in terms of the physicality and the professionalism and all that kind of stuff. Between the between those teams, um, so they probably shouldn't have been in that challenge cup draw in the, in the first place. If we're being honest, if they they're struggling to feel the team as it is, and the, you know they're certainly struggling to feel the team of kind of experienced players, uh, and players that are kind of up to that kind of standard. I think they were in the group with with Feverston, for example, who had a great year last year. Uh, they've got a few England internationals and things like that. Really, they shouldn't have been in the competition in the first place. They didn't think they were up to it. Uh, which is probably where the issue lies, and that's why I think the embarrassment kind of comes in. Um, that you know you shouldn't be pulling out the competition two weeks after the draw. But anyway, that that's the ultimate issue and why it's kind of been raised as a topic point. Uh, to go back to kind of Mark's question, when will the club take our women's team seriously? Uh, show some forward thinking. How do us fans convince the board directors there is much a part of the club and worthy of time investment support as any other team? I think that's an episode all in itself. Uh, if I'm honest, and I don't really want to, I don't want to pretend I'm a great expert uh, in the in this in this field in, in the women's game. You know, I think we all 
roll away with the basics uh, in the sense that we were one of the kind of eminent women's teams kind of four or five years ago, or maybe even more recent than that, to be fair. We had kind of the Georgia Roaches, uh, Tyler Jane Stanley. We had some great players in that team. And obviously, although we didn't win one of the finals, we were knocking around the finals and we were, yeah, we were up there with Leeds and St. Helens and the top sides. Everyone kind of knows what happens then. Uh, Lindsay Anfield, who was coach at the time, went to York uh, and basically took the whole team with her, uh, essentially. So, you know, a, a, a near-professional standard team that Cass had, obviously it was amateur, but, you know, players that have gone on to uh, now earn professional contracts, uh, clubs, in, clubs in kind of the, the big top three in, in the UK, and obviously George Roach is now playing in the NRLW. Uh, a team of that standard just got completely decimated, completely went to York pretty much in its entirety. And there was very little left. Um, so it, it was almost, yeah, it was unrecognisable. Investment is clearly what is required in this situation, is what I would say. It's just such a complex issue. We talk about the money in the game, the lack of, you know, is there money there because of Martin Jepson coming in now? There's definitely more. Is there enough? to then look at the women's game and really kind of make a big deal of it and really kind of give it the investment ultimately it deserves. I don't know the answers to these questions. Um, I know Carlton himself about, you know, should we look at the situation or continue to prioritise the men's teams? My, my initial thought is in this current situation with the importance of the IMG stuff and all that kind of thing, probably in the short term, I mean, let's be honest, the men's team is being prioritised right now. That's just a, That's just a fact. I, I do certainly wish it was more skewed and there was certainly more investment in that women's team because it was great to have uh, at the time. What was the return on investment in that team? I don't know. Um, probably not that bad, to be fair. So I don't think there was a great deal of investment gone in in the first place. So I guess the return wouldn't have been too, would have been too dissimilar. Um, but yeah, this just feels like, I feel out of my depth in this issue, to be honest. And it feels like this is a big, big issue. It's going to become a bigger issue as well, I think, because I think naturally, I think you need to have a women's team to be grade A. I'm not convinced on that, but I think that might be um, that might be part of the licensing. I'm not sure, but I think it certainly will be in the future and potentially even wheelchair down the line. I'm going to do a whole episode on this. Uh, I think it's the right way to do it. Get some guests on who really know what they're talking about. I'm happy to facilitate. And this just needs a real chat. This needs a real chat to go through the state of the women's team at the moment and what we can do to kind of... Look, it might never reach the heights it did uh, a few years ago. We might never get that calibre of player all in one place at one time. But we can certainly improve to where it's at and certainly improve beyond the position where you're withdrawing from a com competition two weeks after the draw. Because clearly, you can't be taken seriously when you're doing things like that. Even if it's for the, you know, the ultimate welfare of the, of the players... It's not a great look. It's not a great look, let's be honest. Um, so, yeah, we'll facilitate a whole podcast on this, I think. And, you know, I don't know who's listening. The club might be listening. I don't know. Or anyone who's really in the know. Do reach out if you've got a real opinion on this and you feel like you could add something to the conversation. I'd love to facilitate that because I think it's a really, really interesting thing. And as I say, it's just going to get more and more important uh, as the years go on, as it should, as it should, because the women's game is growing, uh, which is ultimately great for everyone. And, um you know, with Cass High around and all that kind of stuff, it really should be an opportunity for us, not, not a hindrance. So let's just see uh, if that can be the case in future. Let's move on to another topic then. There's three questions which I'm going to lump together as well for this one. The first one from Ashley Stevens. Do you think the club's social media accounts are really lacking? 
For example, all the squad numbers announced in a picture instead of separate like previous years. No website or article about it either. Given how important social media is, it feels like we're missing the boat with it. Sean Betts asked something similar. Do we think the club put out enough good quality media to get fans interested or are we underselling ourselves in that area? Uh, and Nathan Godfrey had the third question, which is similar-ish. Uh, if, you could, if you could control Tigers TV, what content would you do? Now, I feel like I can speak from a place of... Uh, do I say expertise? I, I think expertise might be a bit much. <laughs> I might be giving myself a bit too much credit there. But this is my kind of industry. I've said before, I do work within the social media sphere. Uh, I'm a social admin for, you know, within the sports, a, a decent sports brand, let's, let's say anyway, that's not a million, million miles away from a rugby club. Uh, so I do have some opinion on, you know, content and social and all that kind of stuff. And to go back to Ash's question, do you think the club's social media accounts are really lacking? Uh, and for example, all the squad numbers announced in a picture instead of, separate like previous years i will say on the second point i was a little bit surprised to see um the team announcing the way it was obviously the squad launch was at alton hall i think on friday last friday gone and yeah in previous years we have kind of gone number by number haven't we and gone all the way through from well it would have been 31 i guess this year all the way down to uh, luke hooley at fullback uh, made, made a real kind of occasion of it over the course of the night we didn't do that this year uh, instead, we just kind of put the put the team out at ten at ten pm after the after the do had finished, and obviously after all the numbers had been announced to the sponsors. That might have been a decision to kind of keep it, you know, exclusive to the sponsors on the night. Maybe I don't know uh, if that was the case. Fair enough. If not, I agree. I would have liked to see them gone out, and I think you know that ability to create literally thirty one conversations throughout the days is just good, and I think. You know, I don't think because obviously IMG is the the kind of lingering, looming figure in this when we talk about social media. You know, the engagement would have got on that, and the engagement generally, the engagement we actually can um, drive as a club at the moment, it, it probably isn't of the importance that people actually think it is based on where the boundaries are, and we'll get onto that in a sec. But just from a kind of you know perception point of view, and to kind of keep the fans involved, not just the sponsors and the corporates. I do agree I would have liked to see that and I would have liked to see the discussion around um, even little things like Danny Richardson getting six rather than seven, you know, things like that. That could have been the other way around. Uh, Jason Gary Gary getting 23. What's he back in the eight shirt? Um, Eliel Zakim getting 11. You know, there's a number of different talking points there which would have been talking points uh, on social media that Friday night and um, it's probably a little bit of a shame to miss that, I would agree. Um, across the board, do I think this club's social media accounts are really lacking? It's interesting because I think this tweet came in before uh, the videos we've seen in the last few days, which I must say have been a market improvement in the last two, three days. Obviously, they're away, uh, they're camping in Bridlington, I think. Um, we've seen a couple of interviews with Inis Senior, uh, Albert Vette, Sylvester Name off the top of my head, Craig Lingard did a couple of minutes, uh, as did Danny Wilson. So there's been a few kind of interviews gone on uh, around about, which is good to see. That's probably more they've had the entirety of pre-season, so that's really good. That's positive. And um, we've also seen the, which I thought was brilliant to be fair, and it got called out by a few rugby league media personalities. But the heritage night, which they did, and we created a five-minute video of that, kind of going through the PNG heritage, Lebanese, uh, and Jason Garagari's story from Fiji as well, which I thought that's more like it. Uh, that, that's what I kind of felt when I was looking at it. You know, a little rough around the edges still. You know, we're not quite producing, you know, 
documentaries worthy of <laughs> worthy of cinema production like St. Ellen's are at the moment, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's a step in the right direction. Uh, it is a step in the right direction now, and that's more of what we want to see. That's for sure, that kind of video content and just try and kind of really getting the personalities out of these players because that's the thing. You've got 31 rugby players there, but you've got 31 personalities, and don't get me wrong, they're not all going to be great. They're not all fully media trained. They're not they're all going to give you absolute gold every time you put them on camera. Majority won't, but some will. Like Chances are, out of that 31, you might get five that are pretty good in front of camera that can actually, you know, give you a little bit of something. And uh, obviously the coaching staff and the the higher-ups are pretty good as well. Danny Wilson's a good interview. Uh, Linda's has been great so far. It'd be great to get Danny Maggs as well. Uh, doing some interviews for Foss Ocean as well. And I think that you get the you get the obvious kind of double bump there where you get kind of the Leeds fans chiming in as well, which I think engagement-wise is, is good. Um, as I say, a little rough around the edges, but it is, it's a step. It is a step in the right direction. I think in terms of underselling ourselves, which is what Sean said, uh, and kind of saying is, is the media kind of quality enough? I think what people need to understand is with social, and again, I can speak from a, a place of kind of, again, expertise. I'll give myself that title, I guess. I don't think people realise how expensive it is to do well. You could, On the face of it, social media is free and everyone's got a phone and you can create anything you know, for free and you can do the base level for free. You can't. That's pretty much what they're doing, if we're being fair. That, that's pretty much what the club, well, maybe a step up from that, to be fair. But um, you know, we're not blowing the house down in terms of my, in terms of budget. That's kind of the problem, really. Uh, and I think it's the problem not just with Cass, it's the problem across the board. And again, fair play to St. Ellen's. And I think Wigan as well have done quite some, uh, some strong social media things uh, over the pre-season. But you know, it, it's no coincidence that I'm talking about those two clubs and they're the richest clubs in the league uh, outside of Warrington. You know, it's it's expensive. It's expensive to do correctly. You know the brand I'm working for. The, the, what we we produce, you know, a lot of content over the course of the year. We're paying hundreds of thousands, if not millions, to create that content. You know, production teams, cameras, to do it properly. Uh, you know, the video editing. You know, actually, kind of putting all the content in, in the right spot to then promote that content to the right people via amplification or literally by paying Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to send it to the right people. It all costs money. And I do wonder what the marketing budget is, or not the marketing budget, but the social marketing budget is at a club like Hasford. And I'd like to, well, I wouldn't like to think, but I would assume it's not far off nil. You know, there'll be the wages of the admins, or the, the wages of the people that you kind of keep the keep, keep the ship kind of running. But beyond that, I don't think, you know, the club are going to be digging into the pockets for 20 grand for, you know, a production company to come in and do loads of good videos. You know, it's... And you can kind of understand it, you know. I we've said before that this this for me is where IMG needs to kind of step in, and this is where IMG should be, you know, going out to clubs because they've got this kind of facility, and they've got the ability to kind of create this digital stuff. And they keep saying that you know digital is going to change the Super League and stuff. I'd like to see it. We've not seen it yet. We've seen a few fonts. I want to see the players. The branding's all well and good. I want to see the players out there. I want to see IMG led video content i want to see it all over tiktok i want to see my instagram reels flooded with super league players i'm not seeing that yet but it costs money like i say and i think the clubs to do it themselves it's difficult uh, it is difficult to do it on, a, on a bare bones budget and i think you know the kind of again kind of rough and ready videos we've seen in the last week or so is a step in the right direction at least we're getting that now and i think that's that's certainly positive and you know 
the group seemed like a good group to be able to work with. The Heritage Night stuff was excellent, as I said. More of that. Just more of that. And I think I think we're I think we're in the right direction. And just to tag on Nathan's point, uh, if you could control Tigers TV, what content would you do? Yeah, again, it's uh it's all you can do at the moment. I think with the budget as, as it is, if we're not going to pile money into it, interviews. Just as many interviews as you can do. Uh, I think, I think you know, the two-minute stuff, the three-minute stuff has been good on social or even less. But I guess that's your opportunity to do, you know, 10, 20 minutes, half an hour. Pick a player a week, you know, sit him down, write some questions. I'd watch it. I, I don't know about you guys. I would... I would watch that. I think you we've got a number of new signings. We've got you know upwards of what seven or eight new signings. Josh Hodgson's probably a great story. You know he's come from down south. A lot of people don't even know that. Um, you know he's, he's got links to London and all that kind of stuff. Obviously done it done it the tough way. Obviously come through Batley and all that. I'd love to hear Josh Hodgson's story from where he came from to to you know potentially put on a cast jersey this year a few times and uh, and you know hopefully setting Super League alight. You know there's num there's a number of stories there. You almost feel like the Jason Gary Gary stuff, which was, you know, about his dad and you know the fact he was in he was in Yemen, you know, a few months ago. You know, everything's kicking off over there. You know, you kind of feel like we should know that. You know, like, let's let, let's get him sat down. Let, let's get him sat down and and interview him and ask him that. And you know, maybe there's a position for me to do it. Don't get me wrong. If they want to go outside of the club, and you know, I'm obviously very keen to have players on the podcast, and I think I I'm probably not a bad avenue to do that but at the same time you know the club should do it themselves ultimately i'm not i'm not picking up img points you know at the end of the day and i think my place is uh, as an unofficial podcast is you know probably the stuff the club can't do really uh, that, that's more of what i want to do uh, at least going forward so yeah i think in terms of tigers tv obviously we'll have press conferences i assume pre and post as we did in the match highlights and stuff throughout the year but as far as I'm aware, people are still paying for that, right? It's still a subscription, so it needs to have... It needs to stop, or it needs to have more content. It's as simple as that, because I'm very aware that people have been paying. And I don't think there's been anything on there since Danny Ward's press against Leeds. So, yeah, that, that does need picking up. Um, and there's that. And I, I guess the website generally, which was the other point, I completely agree, to be honest. Um I know Ashley mentioned no website article about the squad launch. Yeah, there needs to be. Uh, there needs to be stuff like that. Um, the fact you can't currently find the squad on the website is is not great. It is not great, to be honest. I'm not sure on the kind of logistics of stuff, and I'm not sure who's actually operating the website at the moment. But, you know, we are the only club at the minute where you can't literally go on the website and find the squad, for example. That's one example of thing something you can't do. Needs to be a bit stronger that uh, it would have to be taken seriously. I, I think, you know, I, I'm not someone who would necessarily use the website all that often, to be honest. But I'm aware I'm speaking as a 26 year old, whereas you know I'm I'm younger than the average age of a cast fan. Certainly, a match going catch uh, cast fan. You know, I'm very obviously I work in social media as well, so I'm very social first. If I was to find the, you know, if I was to find the squad numbers, I, I'd probably just go on Twitter or Instagram. If, if I'm being honest, but I'm aware that probably the majority of cast fans wouldn't. Um, you know, they're probably not as indoctrinated as I am. And they would actively go to the go to the website and go to the browser, which makes complete sense. So things like that, that kind of attention to detail, it would be nice to see picked up on a little bit. Um, but yeah, as I say, anything with social uh, and digital generally, um, it's investment. It's investment. You, you need money. 
you need money to do it. Well, there's two ways, really. You need money or you need proper, proper, proper talent, expertise, etc. And what they'll have at the minute is talent and expertise. But what's better than having one or two people with talent and expertise, three or four people is better. You know, ultimately, you either need to pay for, you know, externals to come in or external possibilities you know like i say production companies or you know um what's the word cameras or whatever it might be um you need to pay for that kind of stuff in order to be able to produce top quality content or you need to have more people in there who have got the ideas to actually produce that themselves and some people can produce it themselves produce it for three but those the people who the people who can produce great quality content for free aren't free themselves if that makes sense um so either way it all comes down from money you've got to kind of invest into it and as i say you know, we've talked about budgets already in terms of the women's team. This is an IMG thing for me. If they really want to change the digital output of the of the league, they've got to change the digital output of the clubs, uh, and that requires a little bit of investment. Uh, I would say one thing that could kind of put people at ease a little bit is in terms of the IMG stuff. I mean, it's probably not as high a priority as people think based on where we are. I mean, I can't speak for engagements on website visits, um, but we can speak for social following, for example. Um, the thresholds are a bit weird, really, in terms of IMG for, for digital, certainly in terms of social following. So basically, if you have more than 100K followers across the channels, uh, meaning Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you get 0.15 points. If you've got more than 500K, you get 0.2. Um, so the diff- there's a difference of 400,000 followers there. Speaking as someone who works for a brand that has a bigger following than Cast Tigers and quite a, a big following overall, 400,000 followers is a lot. <laughs> it's an awful lot. And I believe we're about 200k. So we're near in the middle of that. You are talking years, if not decades, <laughs> in order to get to that next step. It's not something we can change overnight. That 0.05 points it's a pipe dream really to ever get to 500k following it would be incredible to get there and it's something that will take absolutely years and an awful lot of investment if we were to ever get there likewise of engagements i don't really know where we're at but you know upwards of 700k uh is 0.4 upwards of two and a half million is the next step to make 0.6 and then it's 5 million again engagements are quite difficult to come by really and that is that is a big old step now, 1.8 million and then 2.5 million between between the, the thresholds. It's a bit bizarre, really. So I, I feel like wherever we are, we're probably not a million. We're probably, well, sorry, we probably are quite far to the next boundary. So I think that's probably a reason why we don't really have to worry too much about it. It's just one of those things. We're probably at the mercy of IMG a little bit there. I think it's pretty unlikely um, we're in striking distance of the next spot. And for that reason, it might explain why the investment's down a little bit. It might explain why we're not plowing loads of money into it. Because if we had the possibility of getting an extra 0.2 points, for example, which is obviously quite big, I'd imagine we'd see that. Next question is from Jack Westmoreland. Uh, do you feel, uh, albeit you know, it's a long-term project, do you, do you feel the squad is strong enough? I feel a decent yard-making prop and look of injuries would help us finish between 8th and 10th, so that would be an improvement. On 2023, yeah, I mean, obviously, me and Adam on our previous podcast said between eight and ten. Basically, I think that I think that's pretty 
feels quite unanimous, I think, uh, across the fan base. That you know, anywhere between eighth and tenth would be a success. Um, I'm, I'm yet to see anyone kind of disagree with that, to be honest. Uh, in terms of the squad being strong enough to do it, I agree on a prop. I do agree. Uh, I think it's Keithley, but I have seen the highlights. I did uh, go to the London game. Yeah, well, maybe one short. I think if you look at the squad, I think we maybe are one prop short. I think an element of that is obviously the money tied up in Albert Veto. If Veto, I know he did 15 minutes pretty much against against London. Um, does he look fit enough to be a Super League prop week in, week out? No, he doesn't. Um, that's not me you know, actively going against him because he blocked me one time. It's not that. He just isn't. And I don't know how anyone could turn around and tell you he is at the minute. Could he be? I hope so. If he can't be, then he has to go off the books at some point. It's as simple as that because he's taken up a fair bit of the cap. He's got a fair bit of the quota there. And yeah, we have, we probably are one kind of, not even a starting prop, but certainly someone who can come off the bench. We probably are one player away making a real impact and I think he it's his spot isn't it really it's either going to be him or it's got to be someone else uh, in his position I think to kind of bolster that pack I think uh, in terms of luck of injuries uh, great start to that um, Rowan Milne's obviously you know four weeks potentially four months God forbid it's four months really hope it's not he could just miss the Wigan game so that would be that would be huge if he just misses the Wigan game uh, I do like him as a prospect it was great to see obviously Danny Richardson getting some minutes um, against London at the weekend. He got half an hour. I think Craig Lingard said himself, he's not quite up to match speed. That's going to take some time. Big old three weeks ahead of him because uh, you don't want to be at 90% against Wigan. Uh, I don't think with that pack coming at you. So, you know, it's, it's a big challenge there. Uh, but I thought Milky did pretty well, uh, to be fair, on that left edge. It was a bit of a janky performance across the board, wasn't it? But I think if, if there was anything to really kind of pull from that performance against London, uh, it was probably how that left edge performed uh, with Miller, Wood and Senior. After Senior took his try as well, I thought Wood was good to say it's his first game since last spring, I think, uh, coming off an injury himself. So some positive signs there. But yeah, a look of injuries. Obviously, already lost Alex Miller as well. Obviously, a few players yet to come on, uh, yet to come into the side. And uh, Sylvester Nemo, again, could be a difference maker. Could be that prop that kind of makes a difference, but yet to see. Ultimately, the question was, do I think the squad is strong enough to kind of get the 8th and 10th. Yeah, I don't think anything I've seen in the last two weeks has kind of changed my opinion on that. I think we certainly are. Again, I think it's more a point of squads around us not looking as strong uh, to give us, give us that opportunity. You know, ask me again after Huddersfield on the 4th. That that could change things slightly, but I'm certainly not going to change my opinion, uh, my opinion too much on that, I, I don't think. And between 8th and 10th, it is, as you say, it's going to be an improvement. I think it is possible. I just hope and I hope we all understand that, you know, as much as we've all said that 10th would be a success, if you come 10th, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> and I do hope some people are kind of aware of that because there's a lot of positivity at the minute, as there should be, a lot of optimism. We are not going to win every game if we come 10th, and actually we're going to lose a lot more than we win. That's just it. If you're the 10th per, if you are the 10th team in Super League, you're a pretty poor Super League team. That's just facts. So the real kind of test of where we are as a fan base is if the majority of the fan base can stick with the team that's coming 10th. They've said they will. Pretty much everyone has said they will at this point. So let's see who's got the sticking power because, you know, it might not be the prettiest. Um, it should be pretty even last year, for sure. But, you know, you might only win eight or nine games, you know, and come 10th. That, that's the possibility, or even less than that, potentially. 
So um, it's going to be one of those seasons. But as we've said, as everyone said, it's a two or three year project. This is year one. So let's just see how we get on. I think there's been a positive side, at least in the first two games. So we'll see how we go. Nathan Barraclough also asked, with a fully fit squad, what would your 1-17 to be? Probably not far from the 17 that was named, to be honest, in terms of squad launch. I think Luke Hall looks very good. Uh, I think he is your fullback for sure. Obviously, he's got the one shirt. I think Josh Wims, you start, uh, Josh Sim, sorry, is your starting right winger uh, for now. But that is very much, you know, I've, I've, like I say, I wasn't at Keithley, so I've only seen him uh, for 80 minutes, and that was in the centre. Um, so I've not actually seen him on the wing yet. So that is obviously a bit of a coin flip between him and Jason Gary Gary. We'll see which way that goes. Whoever's performing the best should just start on that wing. Simple as that. Centres, Sam Wood, Jack Robin. I think it speaks for itself. And I think in his senior, he'll be on the left. That goes about saying, certainly in the short term, at half, it's going to be Miller and Richardson. We'll see what Rowan Mills looks like when he comes back in. Probably not a bad option off the bench, is he, as he, as he was in that friendly, to be honest. Uh, being being a kind of a bigger half as well. Uh, it makes sense for him to come off the bench sometimes uh, if we can afford it, if we've got the size uh, on the field to kind of allow that. As for the pack, Paul McShane's obviously starting nine. I thought he looked really, I thought he looked really sharp in preseason, actually. Uh, Paul McShane, he looks like he's raring to go. Um, Liam Watson's been given the eight shirt. I think he probably does start for that reason. You probably start George Lawler as well. Uh, at 10, I would have thought, 13 is obviously Joe Westerman. So your only real option is is your back row. Um, Charbel Tassipalo's got 22 and it's he seems like one of our best players, doesn't he? And that was a little bit surprising. Out of all the squad numbers, that was the one that was went, hmm, that's a bit interesting. Um, I kind of feel like Charbel Tassipalo should start, to be honest, and probably Nixon Putt. I thought Nixon Putt looks excellent, to be honest, in his first couple of weeks. And, to say he's only been in the country, you know, less than four weeks, uh, he looks to have really taken. So it did some big minutes um, against London, which I probably didn't expect. Carries the ball really well. Going to make the odd error, but you could deal with that. Loves an offload. I think Tassapala, Putt, and Westerman's a really, really strong back row. And then obviously you just kind of see how Eli sorry, how he comes on. And obviously we've only seen him for half an hour, so it's hard to really see exactly what his kind of potential is. But again, positive signs from him as well. As for the bench, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a mix. Obviously, we don't know what Sylvester Nemo is going to come like, but naturally he'll go on the bench, I think, to start with. Muzzy Mustafa, for me, uh, has done a really good job. At the back end of the last year, he, he brings the energy. He's a really good player, I think, to bring on after 20, 25 minutes. So I think Muzzy's a prop there. Um Again, you make a case for Rome Mills, but it probably depends on the opposition. I think with a really strong, but for example, against a, like a Wigan, for example, obviously he's not going to play in that game, but against a Wigan where they're massive, you probably need need some a, a little bit more size on there than putting another half there. So probably Sam Hall, to be honest. Again, I think he's looked excellent in preseason, and then obviously Liam Horn. Uh, I think Liam Horn might be our best player. <laughs> he's getting very, very close the way he's playing, and I think Liam Horn can cause teams a lot of problems this year. He's a He's excellent. Uh, I think he's really, really excellent. And again, a bit of a firecracker. Obviously, got his simbin uh, against London, but you kind of take that chance. I think you take that chance with Horn. He plays on the edge, as they say. Excellent, and he's certainly a player you want in your team rather than out of it. Uh, so yeah, I think that'd be my seventeen. Uh, to be honest, not a million miles away from what was named. Uh, if we're being honest, I think the only additions would probably be Sam Hall uh, and Tassic Parler. Really, I think they'd be the only two that would kind of come in. 
So um, at the moment, that'd be what it is. But I think there's any of kind of there's any of kind of 24, 25 players really who could who could very easily fit into that seventh team, which is not a bad situation. Uh, bad situation to be in. Uh, final question then, and it kind of takes on to a wider topic of the, of the ground. Uh, Billy asked, hey guys, what's happening about the money raised for buy a brick? <laughs> that old thing, uh, which was going to be used to create a wall in the former stadium project. Well, Billy, if you go on the planning portal, which I've done a few times in the last few weeks, and it was nice to see regular updates on there, which is really good. Um, the most recent drawings from the architects of the ground are up there. They've been there, I think, a month or so, a couple of months. And there is a wall. There is a wall that references the Buy a Brick scheme. I think, looking at the drawings, it's on like a perimeter wall and it would be more towards where the current car park entrance is, I think, or a little bit further, maybe a little bit closer to the ground than that, but not a million miles away. So I think that's the current plan to put it around there. So it'd be kind of near the training field, uh, essentially, which obviously would be the new 4G. So the Biobrick scheme has not been forgotten about by the sounds of things. It's still on the Axiom website as well. It's still it's still um, referenced there. As far as I'm told, as far as I'm aware, um, the money was locked away. Um, so the money's not been used. It was there. Uh, and obviously all the data. Um, in fact, no, sorry, I've gone wrong there. The money might have been used. <laughs> the money probably was used, to be honest, uh, way back when. Uh, but certainly all the data of the people who donated uh, it's still there. All the messages, all the names, all that kind of stuff is it, still been locked away and should still be used for the buy a brick scheme. So to answer that, it is part of the overall stadium scheme, which finally now has no objections against it, uh, which is where we'll end the podcast. No objections currently against either development, either Axiom at Glass Island or the Weldon Road redevelopment. That is a new thing. Only a couple of days ago, the Environment Agency came in to say that it, they had dropped all their objections, which now means... That's kind of it. Everything that Axiom could do, everything the club could do, has been done. Um, the next stage is quite simply to take it to the council. And well, I say quite simply, I'm sure it's more complicated than I'm making it out. But we're really at the yes or no stage now uh, from the council, wherever that meeting might be, whether it'll make the 15th of February meeting or the March one. You'd like to think at some point during those next two meetings, these two developments are going to be discussed and the Wakefield Council Planning Committee, or whatever they might be, are going to say yes or no. I don't see a world in which they can say no. I really don't. There's no objections against any of the development. The Axiom thing is going to create 2,000 jobs. The benefits of the ground is obvious to us and everyone, really. I mean, they're going to have blood on their hands, aren't they, if they say no. And as someone pointed out on Twitter the other day, in an election year as well, that little Labour little Labour council they've got there, um, and obviously <laughs> quite a... Quite a high-ranking Labour MP in this seat as well. Um, I think it'd be a brave politician or council to say no to it, uh, if I'm honest, with, with no objections. The fact that it's got no objections, the fact that no other um, party is saying, no, you shouldn't do this, and here's why. The fact that that's all gone, I, I just don't see a world in which they say no to it. So that's really positive, really, really positive. Probably the most positive news we've had potentially ever on the stadium, to be honest, this week. Um, that that's finally at that point. So yeah, we're literally just a waiting game now. The next council meeting, you know, the, the, the application's gone. Just waiting on a date. Just waiting on a date for it to be heard. And when it's heard, hopefully we get the right answer uh, and we get a yes. At that point, as far as I'm aware, as it was discussed to us on the Meet the Directors podcast um, just before Christmas, it's then just a matter of when Axiom give us the money, essentially. Uh, that is still within their hands. Um, 
you know, we don't have that 12 million quid or whatever it might be at the moment. That is Axiom's money. They've got to give us that money to actually start the development or, or rather start the development themselves, whichever way it might be. But obviously it is on their time frame in order to do that. You know, they are benevolent and they have, you know, done incredible really so far. You know, th- this scheme really could have fallen apart due to Brexit and COVID and all that kind of stuff and all the problems that have been in the last five, six years. Axiom have stuck by this project and, you know, a lot of developers wouldn't have done so that gives me faith that they are not going to play silly value, silly beggars now. Uh, I don't see why they should, particularly with how much kind of money and attention they've given it in the last few months uh, to get it over the line. So I'm not overly concerned, to be honest with you, but that really will be the next step. It's just a matter of when Axiom give us the money. But in the terms of the S106 agreement, I do believe that basically they can't put a spade in the ground at Glass Outland until uh, the ground is developed or at least spades are in the ground at Weldon Road, so it is in their best interest, really, to kind of get it sorted uh, and sorted quickly, so hopefully there wouldn't be any kind of major delay there, um, and, and at that point, get the diggers in, I guess, get them in, and um, let's finally, <laughs> finally read about that ground and make it a place we can be truly, truly proud of. Um, exciting, always cautious, always cautious, of course, you know, this is it's the Cast Tigers ground we're talking about. It's never never straightforward, is it? But yeah, this week was probably the best news we've ever heard. So let's just pray or something. I'm not a prayer, but you know, whatever you want to do, just uh, <laughs> let's get this over the line, shall we? Thank you very, very much for listening. Um, if you made it this far, you've done really, really well. Um, yeah, I'm a bit ill. Um, I've just <laughs> stumbled through a bunch of questions. Um, certainly not the greatest podcast that's ever going to be on this on this channel, but I want to get something out of you this week at the very, very least after promising it. And um, going from here, we'll have guests, we'll have interviews, some little exclusive bits, all that kind of stuff. I've got some plans. I've got some plans. It'll be better than this, trust me. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. Thanks for listening once again and coif. <laughs>